1: One of the NFL calendars' busiest and, quite frankly, most impactful days is the day after the 53-man roster is announced. You get those waiver claims across the NFL. We have all of the information on that. Khalif Halasi, who the Browns claimed, the cornerback from Kansas City, will give you the baseline information of what he looks like as a player and why the Browns claimed him. And then, obviously, we will spend some time going through the practice squad, talking you through not only moves coming up for the 53-man roster from that practice squad initially, but also what players stuck around, if they were good decisions or not, and then the two players that the Browns brought in from outside the Browns organization, why those players are important, how they could potentially impact the Browns down the line. There's a ton of stuff here. It's myself, it's Andrew Spade. We have all of that and more for you coming up on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. What's up, everybody? We're live. It is Thursday, August 31st, and uh, we're going to kind of put a bow tie on all of the roster moves we've seen. There are still some things that can happen over the next few days, but if you missed yesterday's initial reaction, practice squad discussion, it was a long podcast baked in the middle of that. We had Stephen Haglund on to talk about Dustin Hopkins from the Chargers perspective. A lot of great information. One of the longest pods we've ever put out unintentionally, but there was just a lot to go through and, And talk about and and we did that one with Andrew obviously Andrew's back with me today we have another slew of roster decisions Andrew and and I think that there's quite a bit to to not as much as yesterday but at least quite a bit to go through and see where we were right and wrong because some things we predicted uh, I think a lot of things we predicted ended up coming true but it's um overall a pretty good roster like I tweeted out man it's it's a good roster top to bottom they need to win they need to win and I think there's real talent on this practice squad too. So, we're going to dig into all of it. What's up, man? How's your uh how's your evening going? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. Um yeah, it was gratifying to
2: see some of the names that we talked about just 24 hours ago show up on the practice squad today. Um you like when that happens because no no uh transactional period, I guess I, I'll say, is more hard is harder to predict than this this one, right? Like weird stuff happens. And, you know, you don't watch every every snap of preseason the same way that the teams do. So you don't have a sense of who has impressed. And I think that is really demonstrated by the guy they added to the 53-man roster today. Uh, that's that's kind of a name, both literally and figuratively, that is, like, very new to me, right? And so um, that, I think, shows the depth of the scouting that happens in the preseason and the, the impact that that can have on a team. But from a veteran perspective, to be able to call out Alex Leatherwood and P.J. Walker specifically last night, and I named a bunch of names, so it's not like it was; those are the only two guys we, we said. Sometimes, you know, you, you paint with a broad brush. But uh, to, to, to see the fit with both of those players, right, it, it mm-hmm. felt very natural for both of them. And, and I will, I'll say also, like, really good for their careers as well as for the Browns. Like, it's mutually beneficial. So to kind of see that and understand that and then see that happen, was gratifying for sure. So riding high from that, looking forward to trying to predict something unpredictable again uh, in the future. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that stands out with some of these names, we'll get we'll get to that. But the just total number of claims was low again. I think what was it like 27 or something like that? It was it was Mm -hmm. much lower than I think a lot of us anticipated. And again, I think we also were a little bit accurate in the prediction of, hey, they're probably going to claim someone you've never heard of. And I cannot imagine Many people have heard of Khalifa Lassie, who they claim. So we uh, we got that right again. Broad brush there. But it just seems like it works out that way so often where they end up claiming somebody. You're like, didn't see that one coming. Didn't even know that was a position or spot in a position that they were entertaining. So two, two straight years on that for sure. Um, okay, so let's first before we do get to all of those roster moves, we should definitely hit on uh, practice today. So they're back at it. Two big names uh, showed up back in Berea today. Deshaun Watson, Elijah Moore, apparently on the same sick timeline. Um, we're back at practice today, which is which is what you want to see. Obviously, Harrison Bryant back at practice again, two straight days. Jerome Ford, also at practice, Marquise Goodwin, training in a good direction. The name that is worth paying attention to more than anyone else, Denzel Ward. We don't know. I mean, that's going to be a big name for week one. I know... Joseph Asai is set to miss the game as well, which is just a piece of the the edge-rushing puzzle. He's certainly not one of their biggest names. They spent a first-round pick Cincinnati did on Miles Murphy. And then on top of all of that, they still have Sam Hubbard and, and uh, Trey Hendrickson. So it's not the end of the world, but he is a big part of what they do there. So we're just sort of now paying attention. We know Joe Burrow was back for his first practice today. So we're starting to get some week one breadcrumbs for where this is going to ultimately go but ward's the one to pay attention to certainly uh, more than any of the others um you know i think burrow's news is interesting it feels like they're they're preparing for him to play and i think at this point we should prepare for him to play too I, i i really thought there was a good chance he'd be playing in this game and it seems like he's moving okay and doing all that stuff so you're getting some form of joe burrow you know
2: yeah i think um this was always the the likely outcome but it also felt like if it did uh if the If the injury did persist, you know that he would uh you know it would make more sense for them to hold him out, but obviously it's he's coming along fine, and so if he's healed, he's healed you know and so um i I wouldn't expect that they would put him out there at less than a hundred percent I guess is what I'm trying to say, so I don't think that the to me then you can't go too far down the road of you know is he uh is he gonna be okay is he gonna have any limited mobility I think he'll be himself. And so, you know, that fact then puts even more of an emphasis on the Browns most significant injury, Denzel Ward, because uh, we talked about this a little bit last night, your mind immediately goes to how they adapt the secondary uh to cover, you know, the Bengals receivers. So they've got really three really good ones. And so they they've got their work cut out for them. So that that'll be I know we'll talk about the the secondary and the composition of the secondary a little bit later. But I I think that's where my mind goes is how do they, if Ward can't go, I guess there's two questions, right? One is we're more than a week away from the game. When does Ward need to be back and practicing for you to feel good about him being on the field uh, next Sunday? And then if he can't go, well, how do the Browns tweak their plan to defend maybe the what the second best passing attack other than the Patrick Mahomes show right in the NFL?
1: It's a good question about Ward. I mean, I think him getting a couple days, he was so active at camp. He was always practicing. So yeah. as long as he gets a couple days, I think he'd be, and maybe even not. I mean, as long as, I think if he even clears protocol at any point, I'm sure they're going to feel comfortable playing him. We did get mm-hmm. a little piece of their answer, p- potential answer here. So we referenced that they went out and did one waiver claim. Khalifa is a West Western Kentucky corner, UDFA, with the Chiefs, who a lot of people liked him uh, over in Kansas City. Just missed the roster, 6'1", 195. So long, lanky body. He is, um, you know, Stefanski noted that he said he played well in our game. We thought he did a nice job, so that certainly caught our eye. Did some work on him over the course of his time there and in college where he was a really productive player. And there are some some really nice parts of his game. I'm going to write up a film room for tomorrow. I don't want to ruin that entirely. But, again, the Browns are changing, morphing, adapting who they are they're going to play more in man coverage they're going to play a lot more cover three and he is the type of corner the way he sort of can play off zone coverage but also get up in your face and feel comfortable playing man coverage he did a nice job against cedric tillman that is certainly um you know one of the one of the guys that that that, just a, a prototype right so if they're going into this game without denzel or the early portion of the year they now have another outside corner thing that they think potentially could be out there another player and they just—it's going to probably be Greg inside. So you're talking about, you know, some form of whoever they want to put on the outside, mixed with with Greg. There's two answers: you could keep Greg inside, um, take a risk playing a different corner outside opposite of Martin Emerson, or you could move Greg outside and put Mike Ford or whoever else in, inside. I mean, that's just the the situation right now. I'm, I'm really bummed that the Steelers went out and signed Desmond King, who I thought was a good fit. Um, there's still Bradley Roby. There's still some names out there that if they really wanted to attack the nickel position, they could do that. Uh, the big part of this, too, Andrew, is that they moved on from AJ Green, which I thought was a realistic possibility, largely because AJ has been just really bad. Like he has not looked comfortable in coverage the entire preseason. Now, again, this is what happens: you sort of flush out the the previous regime, does this thing. Their quarters team they like to do certain kind of techniques with zone coverage, you know, more press bail, uh, different sort of lockup techniques in their in their adjustments and. He was okay at that. He's not very good in what Schwartz is going to be doing, which is a different different sort of principle at its core with with man coverage and how they play their cover three and what they do with cover two and six off of that as well. Like He just didn't look good, and I, I didn't really care about the guaranteed money. I just thought there was a way that they had to get creative to make some of these roster moves work. So they let go of A.J. Green. He has 600000 on his contract. Um, that is guaranteed. Now, if he goes somewhere else, the offset language kicks in and that would go to the other team. So if he went to a practice squad and then was elevated, whatever he makes, uh, as far as being active would offset of that money would, would be off the Browns hands. But I do see the very important quote here is we'd love to have AJ back is mm-hmm. what Kevin said. So mm-hmm. we'll see if it shakes out that way in the next 24 <laughs> hours, you know, so that's the not quote even, he not- is
2: most dependable for. Yeah, in, in, in the entire, in in I mean, I know that he gives a lot of pat answers, but the one more than any other answer that he will give you about every player that has ever been in the building, ever been in Berea so, since he was the head coach, I'd love to have that guy back.
1: I th- I do think they mean it too, like on this one. I and agree. They, 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 I agree. They, they do in general because we're going to talk about the practice squad yeah. names here in just a minute, and and um, you know it feels like they are pretty adamant about keeping their guys around um, to to sometimes a detriment to sometimes a, um, you know I think it can be beneficial for certain guys as well too yep. so anyway we'll, we'll touch on that in just a bit uh, other things to note so moves that haven't been made Jordan Kanasic has not yet been put on IR so that move is sort of lingering there was some news that Maurice Hurst is going to rejoin the team's 53 tomorrow. That would probably be parallel with either Alex Wright or Kanasic going to IR. Like we talked about yesterday, seven linebackers would be a little bananas if you're just sort of holding on to Kanasic. I know he's not going to be able to play here for a little bit. just seems a little wild that you could distribute that somewhere else. One of those two are going back. And then, I don't know, there might be another spot to be at here Maybe Michael Dunn gets called up or something. I, I don't know. There's there's some finagling that they can do here, Andrew, that has caught our eye a little bit, you know?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, it's a question, of, I mean, first of all, about the health of those two players, right? I think we know pretty clearly that Knasic is going to miss some time. So I think he needs to be on IR because you're. I think, you know, the window for him is like four to six weeks. So it doesn't make sense to carry him for that long, you know, when you can IR him and return him in four weeks. With Alex Wright, I think it feels like he's going to be back before four weeks. So you might be tempted to keep that player and just make him inactive if he's not ready to go against Cincinnati. Maybe he's able to come back against Pittsburgh or week three. But, you know, I I can kind of see it both ways because they've got that bye week in week five. Mm -hmm. You know, it almost kind of makes sense to put both of those guys on IR, let them get right, and then you've got two spots to play with when there's a lot of player movement happening that they could bring people in from outside the organization, or they could elevate some of their practice squad guys already. But I I think that it seems like they're going to sort that out tomorrow is, is the indication. Um, And so I guess we'll see who, who has to go on IR and who is still, you know, able to hang around. So that's, yeah, that's kind of the next question. I think roster management wise I think, you know, to your point about Bradley Roby and some of the other veterans who are available, you know, we mentioned Dennis Kelly's name a few times, uh, the swing tackle for the uh, previously for the Titans and the Eagles. Um, you know, with those guys, you, you know, the timeline is different, right? Because there's no waivers. So they could sign at any time through the weekend. I do think that there's a possibility that the Browns feel like they need one more piece somewhere. The roster does still feel a little unbalanced to me. You mentioned the seven linebackers, maybe that gets sorted out with Kanasic. We thought they might keep five. They're at seven. Um, And then uh, 11 defensive backs is, you know, that's a full room. And so if they wanted to to add somewhere else, you know, at times we've talked about a veteran running back. I don't see the need for it, but maybe they do. Or, you know, like I said, a a potential veteran offensive line depth. I would see, my point is, is that I would see that move coming over the next day or two, so that player is in town for the practice week against the Bengals, which would start on Monday.
1: I think there's one move to be made still just just feels one, like it. yeah one bigger move to be made uh, a couple things I wanted to hit on before we close and go to break and come back and talk practice squad uh you know when you're talking about um you know we need to at least hit on Lassie a little bit you had a, a prospect grade Lance Erline went through in grade. I did not study him coming out um he was at oregon originally he was a three-star recruit back in 2018 13 games there as a true freshman off the bench did some special team stuff i uh, just want to give you some more background about him i went to community college for a year transferring and then went to back when you couldn't just transfer whenever anytime that's an interesting era of college football um ended up at western kentucky where he uh started all 14 games in 21 um and had a really nice year, intercepted a couple passes. He had a fifth or sixth round grade, so like a yeah. um, a traitsy backup is what uh, they, they labeled him as. Long body type, good NFL size, jabs, stalls, receivers, released from press, plays with instincts, anticipation, and zone, route recognition, hit fluidity, or uh, really strong at riding out routes, plant and drive with his back pedal without stalling out, which is that sort of click and close you hear about, which I've seen it on tape. I think he does a nice job of transitioning between the top of the route break and getting where he needs to go. And then I think he's got some pretty good toughness against the run. I I really liked how he came up and supported the run. So his weaknesses labeled here by Zerline baited out, um, out of position by play action scouts concerns about long speed, which he did not run the 40 according Mm. to the relative athletic score. I don't see him being slow on tape, but he didn't run the 40. So that's just something to always consider, but he had pretty strong grades and uh, at least I, I think above average in, explosion this change of direction stuff was pretty good so uh, he noted here needs to squeeze routes a little bit tighter and cover three and then sometimes gets too caught up striking over tackling maybe putting your shoulder in instead of wrapping up and i, I think there's been two missed tackles in the preseason as far as the data goes 87 snaps for the chiefs uh, this preseason 58 in coverage 11 primary coverage scenarios ball thrown his way only two completions andrew that's pretty uh pretty strong stuff only eight yards Which allowed yeah, he had a pass deflection and an interception. And uh all that you'll get tomorrow in the write-up, but I just wanted to give uh Khalifa Lassie a little bit of a little bit more information on um an interesting waiver claim that I again I don't think any of us saw coming, but hopefully works out to be a really strong player. Another thing that is out there is that the the all-important Maurice Bassett award is uh, has been given out. Right? And this means so much. You know, if you don't know Maurice Bassett, he was a uh um, he led the Browns in rushing his rookie year, and he got the namesake for the Cleveland Browns Rookie of the Year yeah. Award. They do this every single year. And uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson comes home with the award. This year, six rookies also receive votes. Dewan Jones, Ronnie Hickman, Cedric Tillman, Mahmoud Diabate, and Cameron Mitchell. So, Poor big Luke news. Whippler. Poor Luke Whipler. Number changes of note. Dewan Jones wearing number 79 now. I love and it. And Dustin Hopkins passed his physical had some. I liked his quotes, really good quotes about yeah. just keeping your head forward and not worrying about the stuff. I'm a process-oriented guy. It'll work itself out because my process is strong. Yep. He is going to wear number seven for the team this year. So there you go. Jake, that that just jogged my
2: memory on something. We didn't talk about this in the pre-show rundown, but did you see the, the clip of Jake Trotter talking on, uh, I don't know the name of the show, but he was on another Cleveland Sports Podcast show, and he was talking about uh, Cade York missing – for like a half hour straight in practice last week.
1: I did see the clip. It's, it's not surprising. Um, I do, again, I just don't know how they had so much confidence in him. I,
2: I <laughs> that's where I'm going with I, it uh, is that it, yeah. the whole thing feels, I understand the point of needing to wait because Dustin Hopkins wasn't available yeah. last week. Right. He yeah. wasn't going to be available till the chargers made their decision. That, that makes total sense. But I, I mean, I think it's just really interesting. And then the part about wanting him back on the practice squad, he ends up in Tennessee. You know, and again, I know Kevin says that about all their players, but it seems like it was reported that they really did want him
1: to come back. Well, Glenn Cook said it too. I mean, like, you know. Okay, yeah, there you go. Glenn Cook, the assistant GM, like, he said that they wanted him back and he pretty much just chose he needed a new fresh start. That was the... What
2: would he have to have done for them to be cool moving on from him? Because he had... I, I tweeted this last week. I think he had the worst preseason of any Browns player. I can remember it's up there. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't understand what the appeal of the player is. Why is, is it just the fourth round pick that they, they don't want to be seen as having screwed that
1: up? Probably. Well, you, you I think you answered your own question earlier. Um, they thought again, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening. I, the 30, I'm not questioning the 30 minute thing. Like, I think that that probably did happen, but I think they saw enough also positive stuff in practice that they at least were relatively considering that he had figured some things out, hoping that he had figured them out. But I think again, Andrew, like for this position, I don't think you really can get a great feel for how they're going to be whatever they're tweaking, whatever they're doing, however they're changing. And again, I, I can't imagine he probably, like I said, he probably did have a 30 minute, Spaz out session. I'm sure that happened, but like again, I I don't think people are lying. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying here. I don't think people are lying about watching and make all these kicks and practice sessions too. Like all of these. That's why I think no, you were jarred a little bit. You, yeah. you were jarred a little bit by that quote because all we've heard is like this guy right. just doesn't miss at camp. And right. I do think when the team gets together for field goal period, right, he's making them. But the problem is he's so damn inconsistent from one moment to the next moment. And then you yeah. put him in an environment where you, you in the back of your mind have, Oh, you know, here's how I miss when I'm like, you can just like, he's very much a player who is like, you have mentioned, he doesn't take accountability. He clearly doesn't believe that he needed to change anything. Like he's kicking the same way he kicked last year. And it did not take much to see that this guy was miss striking the ball at times when he catches it clean and he catches it. Well, Hey, right on, man, you can probably kick 65 yards, but it's so few and far between for him at a position that demands consistency. So yep. I think this is the worst, uh, sorry, not the worst, the best thing to happen of him just going to Tennessee oh, and I agree. around and not even lingering and, you know, not lingering I agree. at all. No, yeah, you know. a clean
2: break is best for
1: all involved. I just think about other players
2: like this. Mm-hmm. And obviously Baker Mayfield is the, is the sterling example for this regime, you know, for, for this front office and how they decided to handle a player that they didn't have a ton of confidence in. And how decisively they moved on from him. Mm-hmm. I know that it's different with a kicker than it is with a quarterback. But it's just, it's really perplexing to me that they almost kind of seemed hung up on this kid. In a way that I don't fully understand. Because I, I made I made this point the other day. I think you could have made a case to move on from him in the offseason. Like, in January. Like, I think they could have, I, I, if they had cut him in January, I mean, they'd have gotten heat for drafting a, a, a kicker in the fourth round and he doesn't make it a year. But they wouldn't have been wrong to move on from a mm-hmm. player at that point, you know, and I understand why they kept him around, why they tried to work through his stuff and I, I see your point about the you know, if he shows it sometimes it's hard not to think that eventually it's going to come together. but it's just very strange to me because I think of this front office as very smart and analytically driven, and what usually they don't seem Sucked in by players with potential that can never live up to that potential. That doesn't really seem to be their mo. So it's just this one's a little. This feels like a John Dorsey thing, you know, where he falls in love with a kicker, like a kicker's walking around in the same white sweatshirt as him, and they have like a bro bro friendship, you know, and that, <laughs> they, they keep he keeps him around for three years even though he can't make a kick. It doesn't feel like an Andrew Berry move. So I'm just a little perplexed by it.
1: I th- what I what I think this the general part of your answer is uh, the answer to what you're saying is. They are an evolving group. And I think that in, in, and I'm not, this is something I've thought a bigger, broader picture here. We are trying to always box them into certain things. And I am one of those people. We all are, we all are guilty of it because we want to predict what they're doing because a little part of predicting what they're doing makes you sort of feel like you're a part of it, you know? So like, like, I think that they are still evolving, learning, trying, And they, they, you know, we have pinpointed some of their weaknesses, especially like defensive tackle drafting. There are some spots and some decisions they make that still make you sort of scratch your head. I think the Cade York thing to me is as simple as we spin a fourth on him. We want to see this offseason through. I don't have the list, Andrew, in front of me of kickers who were signed across the league this offseason. So I don't know like what the kicker free agent market looked like. It feels to me like a lot of teams are just sort of holding on to guys and being able to stash second players that are not practiced after the season ends. You know what I mean? When rosters expand out to 90 again or whatever, yeah. they have a way of keeping those guys around. I would have to think that their thought process was just as simple as we're going to give this kid every chance to kick for us because he does have a powerful leg and we're going to hope the mechanics took a turn when we were separated, he's making kicks in practice, but we know when you put him in front of people and you put him in a stadium, can he do it? The I think truly, if the if the the rules were the old rules, he would have been gone a little earlier this preseason. But at the point they were at in the preseason, like what can they yeah. do? Like I hear you. Like you yeah. mentioned with getting Hopkins, you had to see that kicker competition through, and like right. you know, the, even even Tennessee with Nick Folk, right? Like it You're just right. yeah. you had it had to yeah. see its way through. So. I, I, I'm with you though. We, how many times do we, do we get on this show and and not this show specifically, but post game shows and we're like, what, what, what's going on? This feels like the twilight zone at times. Like, So it's not, I don't think anybody's wrong for wondering what the hell, why? I just think that their matter of a timeline because things have shifted and altered so much with the rules was a little trickier than maybe we knew. But again, I'm admitting I don't have or know the kicker, landscape in the free agent period so you know mm. take that with a grain of salt there could have been some guys maybe they should have done it sooner but again we hope that dustin hopkins answers to all these issues and it never yeah. is a thing we don't have to talk about anymore right
2: right no it's a moot point and i know we're kind of revisiting something that doesn't matter anymore because he's in tennessee and that's that chapter is over it's just it I, I, there's just the way that it all unfolded to me feels mm-hmm. very atypical for this organization but i think your point about things changing and evolving is well taken too And I think certainly there's going to be some valuable
1: lessons learned from this experience for them. Well, what's the point of this podcast? The point of this podcast is to look at your favorite team for you and do this thinking for you and give you these things spit out so that you know, you know, so you can tell your friends or you can sit at the water cooler at work and share. Right. Well, hey, I actually the Browns tend to do this. Right. Because ex- that's why you listen. You, you're not yeah. listening to us because we we are saying things that you already know. I would like to think people come to this show to hear conversations from vantage points that they're not accustomed to or they don't get in their own lives or whatever, whatever. That's what at yeah. least when I form this pod, that's what we we're trying to do. So, yes, we are spending a lot of time on the kicker. But what we're doing is gathering data about the way they make decisions all yeah. the time. If right. we don't think that they like to rehabilitate those Tyrone Wheatley types we probably don't care about Alex Leather. when We never make the comment. If we don't care about quarterback types, if we don't care about how they're trying to curtail their offense to make it seamless for every quarterback that enters the situation, we don't care about PJ Walker. Right? So mm-hmm. I just think that what we're doing and you guys might be listening to some things that we say, some like shut up about the kicker, man. We are trying to just give you yeah. every part of a study about the Browns so that we can predict it. And it was fun. Like, I think a lot of you listened to the show yesterday the Browns made a couple decisions, and and this tracks all the way back, Andrew, to like free agency in the draft when they make decisions that we, as an OBR film breakdown community, have come together to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to like just share that with each other. Hey, man, look what they did! You know what I mean? And then there have been times where listeners, you guys, have DM'd me or tagged me on something, and it has come to fruition. And it's like, hey, I kind of saw that coming. And that's the goal of what we're trying to do. Is in in kind of going on a tangent here, but like they have so rarely Andrew given us a sample size of a GM and a head coach paired together to actually study their thoughts and their trends that that's, this is what a lot of organizations get. And then that's really fun. That's the fun stuff is looking at like, Hey, I'm not a GM, right? I'm not, not, I'm never going to be that guy, but what I can do is look at the trends that the coach and the GM and the important decision makers are doing and feel like I'm kind of smart and I have an idea of who they're looking at too. And I think in there is where the fun is. And the fun is also baked into the regular season of you and I, or whoever discussing, here's how they're going to attack the Bengals. And this is how it could work. And then they do it. And that's the fun stuff, right? That's yeah. what makes it all worthwhile. Right. So, um, I, and long, I think that's long-winded, exactly, but that's what we, that's what we do So we're trying to do here.
2: It's such a great point. And I think that's exactly why the Cade York thing is sticking in my craw because it's atypical. And so it, it yeah. feels and I, you know, I think we've, I, you are you're, you saying that made me think that we have also seen that with fans, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we both work for the OBR and are in the ask the insider section all the time. I counted, there were three separate questions this preseason about the holder because that story was circulating about Bajorquez being maybe inconsistent in his placement of the ball. And is that what's causing Cade York? So like, we're not the only ones trying to figure this stuff out, right? Like the 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 people of, of Cleveland were perplexed all preseason by this kicker situation, and so I guess this whole conversation really comes back around to, you know, it's over, and they found a, a guy that that is a you know as a veteran has been in the league a decade and has seems like has a very strong process and is not going to let one miss because you know this it's coming right it is coming. Yeah, uh, but it's not going to let that miss turn into a, a, a slump, which is was the fear with Cade York. Was the first time he missed, you, he wouldn't make it again for a month. So that being out of the equation, them being able to welcome in the Bengals next week, and if they have a forty five yarder, the entire stadium is not going to feel like you Know a funeral, no, we'll home. feel
1: that. No, you'll still feel until he makes a few, we're still going to feel it. Can't you can change the number and you can change still a white guy kicking, Andrew? We're gonna feel it. Let's let him make a few, but you're right, you're generally right that, that we should feel better. But yeah. I can guarantee if, if no, I, in I, stadium, as I
2: said it, I was like, yeah, it's not going to change because people are <laughs> the new kicker gets just almost as much scrutiny as the old kicker, no matter how yeah. good the new kicker is.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And, and but and if he's he,
2: but I'll tell you this, if he stripes
1: the first one. It will be a very loud cheer. He's going to have a hard time uh, overcoming what was the debut of Cade York. So good luck, well, man. Good point. You know? Yeah, but
2: he, it's so funny because <laughs> people have been posting that video again of that that winner against Carolina, and
1: it never looked like it was going in until it did. It didn't. It drew in. And since when does he, and they're like, that's a, that is so well said because that, I swear to God, this is the last kicker thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> like that kick is a microcosm of who he is as a kicker. That ball started, five yards outside of the post on the right side and curled back in. And yep. that to me is like, again, like he never knew where it was going. His misses in this preseason have largely been, if they come out clean, fading away. Right. Right. It's the like he's either duck hooking yeah. left, like yep. snap hooking it, or it's fading away. And then all of a sudden he makes this, this game winner where it just draws it. I, it's wild. I, I mean, who yep. knows what the wind in Carolina was that day, but like, it's just, <laughs> it's just hopefully, Hopkins stabilizes this yeah. thing and we see some good kicks in week one and that allows us to all make a giant collective exhale. On that note, we are all of take the goodwill that we picked yeah. up
2: from the P uh from the PJ Walker and Alex Leatherwood stuff from last night. Yeah. It's out the window because we just spent twenty minutes on a kicker that doesn't even play in Cleveland anymore.
1: There we go. So don't hate us. We did try to give you some perspective <laughs> with uh, with why we do think the way we think. Because I think, again, I really do think the fun lies in the middle of, of all of that. So absolutely, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. Sponsors are going to yell at you for a couple minutes. And then um, we're going to come back and talk practice squad and uh, a bunch of little uh, pieces of information at the end, too. So we'll be right
0: back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You ever been up against buying tickets last minute, can't figure out how to get it done? The OBR group recently tried to go to the Browns preseason. We were up against the clock trying to figure out if we could get tickets hooked up if we needed to buy them we had to end up buying them went to the game time app and let me tell you this is the best place to find tickets it should never be stressful they pride themselves on making it as seamless as possible killer deals on last minute tickets the best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun you're gonna have if you're starting to poke around about getting tickets for browns Bengals week one this is the place you need to go game time has everything you need you don't have to plan months in advance but if you do they have deals on tickets now all the way up until the day you get images from the seats you'll be sitting in to know what you're looking at what the view will be get that low price guarantee and then talking again those exclusive flash deals on tickets are what makes the app so great and the game time guarantee means you'll get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less They'll credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You get those images from your seats. You get tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. They're sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email. So here's what you need to do. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use the promo code, quite simply, OBR for 20% off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code OBR for $20 off. If you want to use the URL, it's GameTime.co. Okay, but the app is where it's at. It's a perfect app. Download the Game Time app today. Promo code OBR, twenty dollars off. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right. So we need to go through the Browns' official practice squad announcements. This is gonna be the fifteen players. Now they can get sixteen. That's also a little AJ Green tease, right? That if they, they have a spot at this yep. point. So Um, Here are the guys they have currently on their practice squad. They brought back my sixth cousin, Lorenzo Burns, at corner. All right? Proud of him. Uh, Jalen Darden, a wide receiver. Other wide receiver, Austin Watkins, does make it through, um, which is, again, to the benefit of the... I need to say what you said again, Andrew. Just because nobody claimed him does not mean that he was not a guy that other teams are looking at It would not surprise me if a team, if he sits on the Browns practice squad all season, if he gets signed somewhere during the season. Okay. I think he's pretty good. But again, at this point, rosters, wide receiver groups are sort of set. They're just set. Teams have made a lot of decisions and they bring in who they bring in. And it, I just don't think there's a victory lap to be had there the way some folks want to make that seem at times. But um, I digress. So those are your wide receivers. They brought back Hassan Hall. We'll pick apart this in a minute. Um, here's the defensive line. Or sorry, they did add, uh, like I said, Michael Dunn, and then Alex Leatherwood. And defensive line, Sam Kamara comes back. Tristan Hill is back. Isaiah Thomas, as he works his way back from injury, and then uh, actually that might be the end of the defensive line. No, Lonnie Phelps uh, again. Who again? We'll pick. We'll pick these apart one by mm-hmm. one. Kind of go quickly. Um, tight end Zaire Mitchell Payton. Um, and this in the linebacker group, Charlie Thomas the third. And then I this is very disorganized. I wish it was listed like by offense and defense. I don't think I forgot anybody. The only one is the quarterback PJ Walker, and then kicker Lucas Haversick, uh as well is uh is on there. So you have a kicker and Tanner McAllister. So let's go one by one. We're just gonna kind of like play rapid fire here, Andrew. Yeah you I'm gonna say the name, mm-hmm. you throw thoughts. And yeah. this is no right
2: association. This is like therapy.
1: Okay. Corner Lorenzo Burns. Got it. Go ahead.
2: He's related to you. That's all I know about him. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> He's not related, uh, to pretend. Yeah, no. Um, this is a player that I don't know that well because he joined pretty late in camp and you know, his play in the preseason, I would, I think would be charitably described as uneven. So I don't know if it's a specials thing for him or what they see i i didn't see it as much but but i certainly i'm not saying they're wrong i just mm-hmm. didn't see it that much and i i felt like you know but but it also could be a situation where tomorrow he's gone and aj green you know because how many corners do they want to really carry on there so i i don't know i'm it's one where it's i think mostly a question mark for me at this point
1: yeah you need again a part of the practice squad is scout team guys like he need he's an athletic that's dude true too who can um in a pinch, maybe maybe become active and place him outside corner, which he did a lot of, and do some specials, and he'll be out there every day on the practice squad or sorry on the scout team, going crazy. So that's the element. Um, all right, Tanner McAllister, go ahead. Uh, OSU, the Ohio State University. I, no, I'm, I'll stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> truly playing word association.
2: <laughs> Tanner makes I, me think of this. <laughs> What are the kids from Full House? Maybe I don't. Yeah, uh, no. Um, yeah. No. I think he was great in the preseason. Um, yeah, the and moments. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think. I'm excited about both of the young safeties. I, I think that they both showed things. Hickman showed more. Obviously, it's, he's on the 53. But I think mm-hmm. both of them showed things, and I think they both made a really strong case to continue to be in this organization. It's been a. It's been a position where they haven't had these kind kind of developmental guys. I mean. I think we like DeAnthony Bell, but he's, he's he really has shown himself to be more of a true special teams player. He does not belong as much in the in the you know in, a, in an NFL defense. Not to be rude, it's just a yeah. limitation, you know. And uh, but I think Hickman and McAllister both could turn into genuine players. I don't know about starters, but certainly players that can carve out a role on this defense. And you know, it's. It, it was richard lecount was a draft pick back in 2020 never amounted to anything they haven't really had guys like this in the system i'm excited about it because rodney mccloud is older grant delpit is a free agent after this year so you know if, if if one of these guys can take a step throughout the season maybe maybe they work their way into the rotation
1: yeah i think it's simple for me tanner McAllister, i think they view as a sort of grant delpit type like a yep guy who you can do some similar things to that and they want to develop um Okay, moving to, uh, let's continue on the defensive side. Charlie Thomas the third, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think that he really made an impression on me in the Hall of Fame game. And it's one of those things that happens sometimes in the preseason where even if the, the later play is inconsistent, you see a flash of something at first where you're like, oh, if he can be that, I'm all in on that. And him flying around in the fourth quarter of the Hall of Fame game sticking dudes like has really stuck with me in terms of that it, the Jim Schwartz defense right ph- philosophically getting that mm-hmm. and then also just the pure athleticism to be able to move like that and make plays like that
1: yeah he can run he can He he's a uh, undersized backer um, has a little bit of that um, i'm trying to think of who they had here iowa state kid willie harvey they had a while back not quite as thick as willie harvey right but plays the run pretty effectively getting better as a drop coverage player and i just think he's a fun developmental name for them so uh, i like i like charlie thomas uh, for sure um all right so that's the only linebacker they keep there's a slew of guys here on the defensive line well i mean isaiah thomas is a player that, that we've seen he's got some potential I think that there's some body reshape stuff that you would hope he could get done to get a little quicker mm-hmm. but to me Isaiah Thomas is um, a largely an injury elevation type he'll be one of the early edge elevation players if they want to but he's got some yeah you know, I, I kind of harken back to that moment he had a sack ironically the Bengals home game he had that sack where I was like is that Miles Garrett like it was a truly impressive yes. I, I, I think it was a cross chop little turn the yep. corner Um, there's something there. I like him. There's, there's a, there's a decent player in there and uh, a fan of, of keeping him around anything to add on Isaiah.
2: I think his production has always kind of outshined his like role on the team. If that makes sense, like what he, Mm -hmm. he's one of those guys where he's been kind of buried, but when he plays, he produces
1: Lonnie Phelps. So Lonnie had moments as an edge of, uh, you know, I, I think that, listen, he plays hard. He plays really hard. And I think they want that around the team guys who come in and and do those roles, those, you know, again, you're, you're doing scout team for everything, kickoff, kick return, all of these different things, defensive line, come and rush the quarterback, whatever. He's going to play hard every day. He's very unrefined pass rusher, but his effort shines and he gets him to places he doesn't belong. And I think that that is what they like about him is seems like he's a great teammate, great person and fights really hard. And they think if they can get some refinement out of him, you know, learn some moves, some some put yourself in some situations, right? You got a player that has a, a chance to develop a little bit. So that's Lonnie Phelps. Words on him, are you good? I, I think you you
2: nailed it. I mean, I think he's a he's a pass rush, you know, developmental guy. He's he's not
1: there, definitely. But, you know, he's got the tools, I think. I think so too. And and again, above all else, kind of like Lorenzo Burns, you need these guys and he plays hard and he'll show up every day in Berea and, and give great effort. Um uh, continuing sam kamara this is pretty simple to me uh almost filling that sheldon day type right where he can he can play inside and inside and out and he was effective he's a little undersized for either he's a little too slow for edge a little too undersized to play D tackle all the time but fights hard plays hard and i think he'll have a chance to come up and play some active ball this year if injuries strike and i like that keep I, I you know given what we saw from him in the preseason i really like that keep so uh, yeah. I and think Tristan th- Hill th- too. We'll, we'll piggyback both of these guys real quick. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. It's fun to get both of them because I do think those are guys that can play on Sundays. And Tristan Hill is, you know, he had late preseason snaps, but he was, he was playing pretty powerful. He's got that giant club on his hand, which doesn't help him. Is it just as awkward, you know, for, you know, D Lyman like to use their fingers and do different, like get up underneath and lift arms and bull rush and, you know, drive through. And when you don't have any grip in one of your hands, it's kind of strange, but he was moving people. And I think that again, uh, if Jordan Elliott gets hurt, or somebody, you know, or whoever, Siakiika doesn't go this week, I can see Tristan Hill getting some opportunity. So, um, I like both of those guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, Sam Kamara, I think could even be active week one. Uh, if, you know, depending on where Alex Wright ends up, and how they feel about the matchup with the Bengals, what they, you know, what sort of area they want to emphasize. I mean, Isaiah McGuire is a rookie. So do you trust him to be in that rotation week one? Sam Kamara has got a little bit more time in the system. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, And so, you know, maybe you feel a little bit better about him uh, as you know, as that sort of fourth edge rotating in on rundowns or something like that. I I, I could see it. I, I think he's definitely a player that I think opened my eyes in terms of changing the way that he played a little bit from what I think we saw last preseason. He was more of a pure edge, bend the corner guy and has, has really added mass bulk and, and kind of plays as more of a tweener between end and tackle. And they don't, you know, the Browns don't really have Alex Wright is kind of the other guy like that. So I think it it's nice to see them kind of developing that, that type of guy. Cause I like guys like that because they're, they just, they can be such a pain in the ass on rundowns, you know, where they're, they're just active and you know mo- moving and hard to kind of pin down in a way that the browns defensive line really wasn't last year uh yeah. tristan hill i think i go back to when they signed both hurst and hill on like the same day in march and it was like what are they going to do with both of those guys plus jordan elliott plus you know tommy like how are they going to make all these guys fit well they 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 figured it out they've got six Including Hill, they've got six, and if they bring Hurst back, they've got six defensive tackles that I think can play. And honestly, the main thing is it makes me feel better about Jordan Elliott still being around. (laughs) Because whether, you know, I said this, I think, when we talked about this last night. He, he, I know that he was guaranteed a million and a half dollars, and that probably guaranteed him a roster spot. If he underperforms, we know the personality type of Jim Schwartz. He's not going to have it. And Elliott will be cut. Doesn't the yep. guaranteed money does not matter if by week four Jim Schwartz says I don't want this guy in my fucking room?
1: I'll say this too. I think there's a chance that Siaki Ika is is not active in some weeks, weeks yeah, where I they play pass call. heavy rosters, and he doesn't think provide much rush activity. Like I think there's going to be, not saying he's inactive all year by any stretch, but I think there might be three, four, five weeks where he's like, oh, okay, Ika's inactive just depending on opponents offense style. So
2: yeah, I and mean, he's, you out. know,
1: and a late third round pick, you
2: know, you should not expecting him to be playing starter snaps. We don't want him to be playing starter snaps. He's a specialist
1: yeah. right now. Bingo. And he is, again, I talked about the pass rush rotation units the other day, like your front four of, you know, if you're going Tomlinson and Elliot and Hurst and Shelby Harris, that's pretty fun, but that leaves Eka outside looking in and, Again, I'm just saying. I think there's going to be a, a chance he's a little more inactive, and people aren't thinking of that right now. Especially if I'm tentative on Hurst because he's not officially back, so I know it's a little nerve wracking. I just want to I know. see it but come yeah, to, if, if to he fruition. is,
2: then you're right that they, they could be they could be really patient with Ika, which would be good. Honestly, I think the yeah. last thing you want to see is Ika getting thrown out there too early in the season and getting crushed, and it yeah. it hurts his confidence and impacts his, impacts his development
1: negatively. He needs to play very specific situations and very specific fronts. Put it that way. You know, they put that bull, that sort of bare front out there with a nose, two, three techniques and two edge guys. Like he can be a nose in that scenario because he's surrounded by some answers. So, um, all right. Yeah, that finishes the defense. I want to talk about here's who was cut. Tommy Toga ends up in Jacksonville. So that's a player in a new spot. And wish him the best. Like I said, had his best preseason started to do some actual football moves when rushing the quarterback. Uh, I, I would not be surprised to see him on Jacksonville's roster at some point. Okay. Um, and again, I'm just going every name that was cut recently and we'll just talk about, Oh, they missed that guy or didn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tommy Togi, I Tristan Hill, Isaiah Thomas, Sam Kumar, Maurice Hurst, uh, Charles Wiley, not surprised. They didn't bring Charles Wiley back, but yeah. thought he had some, t- I think he'll, he'll be on the radar if they need to, mm-hmm. to sign somebody. I think it'll be on the radar. Uh, Jeremiah Martin, Nothing. Don't have any opinion on that one. Um, Lonnie Phelps, Charlie Thomas, Cam Bright did not play enough. I didn't see enough of him. Uh Caleb Biggers, no disrespect, man. Um, did not think you were good enough to to be given a chance. Same for Gavin Heslop, the other corner, and then um Nate Meters and Um Lorenzo Burns, and obviously Lorenzo's the one they keep out of that group and and meters has been moved on from. So I don't think there's anybody there that I work. I actually think they did a pretty good job with their own guys keeping them around do you think so i do yeah i think that of the
2: of the guys they kept they kept the guys i i would have kept i guess i mean yeah no i <laughs> think i think that, and i think i think what the, the theme that i see is that they've got a few guys on the practice squad that i think can be involved in a meaningful way at times this
1: season as needed i would say that they did uh, they felt more comfortable with their guys on defense right so uh, it's a great point that they kept around a lot of guys. Like when I look, the split between offense, defense, I can see a lot of these guys on defense coming up and playing. Now when we peel back the offense. It's a little bit different. Here's who they cut. And then we'll, we'll talk through some of uh, the one-on-ones here. And we can just do it this way. I think it's probably a little cleaner. So uh, Kellen yep. Mon, they move on from, and we were at first thinking Kellen Mon was back. I think we were bad mouthing that decision in Slack, uh, just being uh, just, let down that they would do that and then they go get pj walker and that's great right that's great it's uh it's a player who's started nfl games and i was listening to ryan Brasilla's podcast talking about backup quarterbacks and just how few of them have actually had nfl starting experience and i think to have one of those guys on your practice squad a potential elevation player i also wouldn't be surprised if pj walker got signed to play somewhere like you know hell arizona in season but uh, having him around is really cool, and I like that. Now, would I also have liked a young developmental player too? Sure, but I am just encouraged by now DTR can go to another guy who's had experience in starting moments, and I think that all just really helps him. So encouraged by the decision to go get P.J. Walker, right? Well, cool. and
2: I, I think if in the scenario where Deshaun Watson missed one game you know, for, for an injury, I think it's an open question right now. It is. I mean if it was week 2 I think you'd have to start DTR because of his familiarity with the offense but by midseason I think it would be a question because PJ Walker as you said has done it in the league as recently as last year. Yeah. I think they probably would still lean DTR but like I mean if, it's a if question you're, to now, me if right if you're yeah if you're comparing Josh Dobbs and PJ Walker I'm taking PJ Walker every time.
1: Me too. Yeah, me too. Um and from all accounts PJ Walker is a great dude. The guys love yeah. him, you know. So yeah. I think yeah. the Bears wanted to go super cheap, and they kept that kid out of a D two kid. I can't think of remember his name off the top of my head, but they they went young cheap at their backup position, and you know sometimes teams do that when they want to cut money in certain places. So it's not uncharacteristic. Yeah. So funny
2: for them though, because they have nothing but money. They had to spend yeah. to get to the salary cap floor. So for them mm-hmm. to cheap out at backup when it's Justin Fields, it feels a little bit weird to me. But yeah, me I'll too. take it, man. I, I think getting what they got for Josh Dobbs and then turning around and signing PJ Walker is. A really fun one, two for them.
1: Big win. Demetric Felton is the next name that is cut. He goes to Cincinnati. Yeah. I would have preferred to keep him over Hassan Hall personally, but maybe Felton. And sometimes it gets this way where, you know, a guy like Felton is just sort of scorned because they brought Mm -hmm. in somebody to take his spot. And this is a question that I'm sure somebody listening to this pod will know. I don't think you can give incentives for a player to come to your organization for the practice squad. I think it's just you, you, You get the same amount everywhere you go. You're just picking which situation is best for you. So I think they probably would have liked Felton back because he's an easy elevation player. who's been in this offense and around. And I think that, I think Dimitri just said, I would rather have a change of scenery and try somewhere else. And I think for him, it's a chance in Cincinnati who has a lot of uncertainty behind Joe Mixon to eventually maybe hell, maybe play. I don't know. I mean, in Joe Mixon's future, he just took a giant pay cut I'm not saying Demetri Felton's ever going to start for the Bengals, but it's not impossible to see him active on game days this year. So I would have preferred that over Hassan Hall. I also would have preferred like Dwayne McBride was out there. I don't – the Hassan Hall thing does not make sense to me. I did not see any redeemable (laughs) quality in the preseason that made me want to keep that guy. So uh, some other people might have other opinions, but show me what you're talking about because I don't see it.
2: Yeah. One other dimension on this Felton thing, and this is, you know, Conspiracy theory stuff back, you know, uh, closet, whatever tinfoil hat stuff, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but the Browns there. play the Bengals in like what nine days, mm-hmm. and Dimitri Felton has been with this offense for the entire installation of whatever the Stefanski 2.0 offense is. So
1: that's the exact discussion we had about what was the wider Charlie know. Jones? The other the other direction. No, um, yeah. that's who they decided to keep. I can't think of the young man. Trent Taylor. Trent Trent Taylor. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, now it <laughs> ironically goes in the other direction. So if and, the Bengals are completely prepared for everything the Browns are doing, we know who to blame. Call Demetric Feldman. Well, and like
2: I'm 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 sure I'm making too much out of it, but one of the things that I've said is the Browns should have the element of surprise a little bit in week one. And it feels like this certainly mitigates that a little bit from the Cincinnati perspective. It, it should. It, I mean, I mean th- they're going to have to change their, their, their checks or whatever, right? Because they yeah. probably have a
1: set of checks that they've worked on. Felton knows them, right? He does. He's been playing a lot. Um, now, you won't know, like, not being around here long enough for every part of... I, I would not imagine that the Browns, they're doing basic things that right. they're working into the system, but yeah, they're going to have some specific sense things and plans. And obviously you won't know that, but he does know like, Hey, here's five things that I know because we've been working on them and they're going to be doing these things. And um, I don't love it. I, I'm not, I, yeah, I would have preferred him to go a lot of different places. <laughs> All right. Jordan Wilkins. I don't know. See you, man. Bye. John Kelly, end of a run here. See you, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't have an opinion on I would have preferred Wilkins to hall personally. I'm good on the John yeah, Kelly, Kelly experience. Right. I mean, I, I could have been fine with either of them. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. The running back decisions are strange. They only kept three and they only kept one on the practice squad. That's surprising to me. I thought they'd go out and get another running back, but, uh, they must feel good about who they have. So leave it at that. Hassan Hall would have been the last on my preferential list, but, uh, I am an idiot sitting behind a computer. Um, Austin Watkins is back. We talk about Anthony Schwartz, Haven't heard anything. If he cleared waivers, which he did, he would default back to the Browns. IR. I will just say, I would not be surprised if we hear something about Schwartz retiring or stepping away from football or something to do something else. That's kind of what I'm going to leave it. I I just, the whole situation in Cleveland warmed down and he has a a lot of athletic ability that he could apply to something else for a living running. For example, like he has a lot of things he could do. So I'm just, I don't think he wants to be in Cleveland. I think he was really quick to fire off that tweet about thanks for the opportunity, and felt like he wanted oh, to get yeah. out. But he's, but, he's gone. Know. He's gone. Yeah. So you know, IR. Designation, it'll it'll just probably be, be an injury. It'll injury settlement him. Yeah. It'll. Part. It's
2: just a matter of the paperwork, but it'll get done. He's not gonna stick around. There's no way.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I guess my point is that even if you IR, you default back to IR or whatever. Do you like, are you still around if you're out for a while? I don't, I don't know what the hell that all looks like. In terms no, of I mean, location. I think, yeah, that's,
2: that's where the injury settlement comes in. They they pay him some amount of cash and he becomes a free agent and then is free
1: to sign with another team. That's what I would imagine. We just haven't heard anything. Yep. And there's a no, chance. Yeah, we haven't heard yet. There's a weird little chance that I guess he could stick around, but I don't know that that makes sense for anybody involved. No, um, he needs some of them. So Jalen Darden is back return game stuff. He can handle. Um, you know, I I mean, I guess he's going to practice soon. (laughs) He's on the practice squad. Um, you know, so he's around and can do, they, they liked some of the things they saw from him last year. He obviously had a pretty nice mini camp session stuff that the people were, there were people predicting he would make the roster. Um, but, uh, being around the practice squad and just some flexibility that he can create there is, is a good outcome, I guess, you know, that's fine. They moved on from Mike Harley. And we heard tonight, like you noted that that Mike Harley is going to go somewhere else it appears so yep. Um i thought he was developing nicely and i'll be paying attention to where he lands and mm-hmm. what happens for him jalen wayne i got he's wearing number 31 i got no take yep wide Agreed. receivers in the 30s are tough to like, he just looks so out of place yeah. um miller forestall thomas greeny neither of those guys are back as we know Zyra mitchell Payton is back i don't have an opinion on that i, I mean greeny maybe you could have kept over mitchell Payton, but again it strikes me uh, Mitchell Payton is just a guy that some of this stuff with practice squad is you show up every day, you try hard, you work hard, you're a good person to be around. And I guess that's what I would, I would have preferred a developmental tight end, you know, somewhere else, but begin, maybe they did. Maybe they were, maybe they were searching out and we kind of forget that they, <laughs> they could be asking some people to come to Cleveland who just, no, I'm good. I'm going to, you know, Zach Coons, I had mentioned earlier today, the, freaky athletic tight end the Jets let go from this year's draft. And, you know, there's probably some agreement there with the Jets to make it work out to come back and all that. So, um, but they get Zyra Mitchell Payton, any tight end nuggets? No, end? I mean, I, yeah, I agree with you about the, the upside
2: of that guy feels really low, but I do think that they have a level of familiarity that if they need him from a numbers perspective, they would feel comfortable making him active, which is really all that is. He's just purely T T E four, and probably will never be
1: more than TE4. I like it. TE4. All right, Michael Dunn, glad he's back. I think there's a chance he's active on game days. I just would prefer that early in the season. I know you can elevate some of these guys. Um, just yeah, just trust him more. I just trust him more as a guard right now. And um, I would prefer to Yeah, Luke Whippler anyway. should be
2: inactive. And Dunn should be, should be your fourth interior guy, I think, right?
1: Yep. yep. Um, Derek Kelly, they moved on from. No real take. They signed him late. In the preseason, after the Greenbrier and all that, he was fine, tried hard. His body type is not great for an offensive tackle. Uh, I think there are times where that catches up with him. Colby Gossett put together a really rough performance in the final preseason game, and that hindered his opportunity. Uh, Him and Wes Martin are both guys that they have moved on from. Uh, But there there again, if they have to elevate Michael Dunn and God forbid somebody goes on IR, something happens with injuries, I think those are two names that you should immediately revert your attention back to for guys that they could bring back to the practice squad if they elevate Dunn officially to the 53 because I thought Gossett had some moments. he's had a really rough final game. I think Wes Martin was overwhelmed at times um, and just really looked like he didn't belong. So Gossett maybe makes a little more sense. But again, I don't know if he was drunk in that Kansas City game, but that was like some out-of-character Missed blocks in that one that cost him an opportunity. So they kept done. They go out and get Leatherwood. We should talk about Leatherwood. You know, um, it's an exciting thing to go get a former first-round pick as recently as 2021. Now, the thing about that is they had moved him to guard. He played 847 right guard snaps. Obviously, he played tackle at Alabama. He's still 24 and a half. He doesn't turn 25 until the turn of the year in January. So he's still young. He played 257 snaps at right tackle that 21 season. 847 when they moved him into guard, he really struggled. He gave up he had 65 pressures that first year, and is then that they good, moved, Jake? That's, that's not it's not it's not good. Um, it's not good. That's a lot of pressures. And then he goes to Chicago and didn't really find the field at all. I think he was on the field for 32 snaps. So I wonder. The only question I have is if they see him as a guard. Or a tackle because, yeah, they, I was know, wondering the same thing. I looked
2: at the press release, they've got him listed as a tackle.
1: Okay. So maybe there's some, and Chicago played him 27 right tackle snaps as well. So maybe there's some, some rebuild. The I think it's a great spot for Alex. It's, it's yeah. working. And there's no other reason he would come here other than, you know, he knows Jed and that helps. But like, you know, I would imagine he's talking to Jed say, you know, what do you think of Bill Callahan? It's the perfect spot to come in and try to develop and uh, i would imagine his agent steered in that direction right and, and it is a great display of like look at tyron wheatley look what he did yep. he rehabilitated his image here and he's going to get a chance to go start for some some other place so yep. you know i hope it works it would be so cool to watch that work out right you know if he could figure yeah. some things out
2: Yeah. And I think it's worth just a little refresher of the context of Alex Leatherwood's career right now. He was Mm -hmm. a a first round pick in 2021, but I remember that draft very well. He was not expected to be a first round pick the Raiders and and unexpected picks in the first round. Those. Yeah, exactly. It it was, it it was a Mike Mayock pick. John Gruden was still the head coach. That's how far back we're going, even though it's two years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that's important context, right? He was, he was expected to be more of a second-round pick that would would come along. He was not seen as pro-ready day one, and he got picked to a team whose head coach resigned after five games. Rich Basaccia takes over. They go 7-5 and five down the stretch. They make the playoffs, and they get bumped. And, and then Josh McDaniels comes in. And we know, we all know how Josh McDaniels is with other people's players, right? He doesn't, he's not into it. So Leatherwood gets cut. And ends up in Chicago. Now, it's not to say that he was good in his one year in Las Vegas. I'm just saying this context is helpful, right? That Raiders team was a disaster because the head coach resigned in disgrace. And Leatherwood probably wasn't ready to be playing his first year, but he was drafted in the first round. And so first round draft picks play. And then he goes to Chicago, Chicago last year, despite Justin Fields, heroics at times was a mess on offense and and so not again not the most conducive environment now obviously they're also sort of desperate for talent there so you would think that if he had shown anything he probably would have stuck he didn't they've also added a lot of players in free agency i don't know their exact roster situation but i i think for a long time the browns have been the raiders in this story right the browns have been the, the team that drafts cam irving in the first round and can never get him right you know and, and for him to have any NFL success, he has to go somewhere else. The Browns have been on that side of this equation for so long. The Brown, I mean, just take a second and savor this. The Browns are on the other side of that formula. The Browns are the <laughs> stable organization that is taking in a troubled player who has not lived up to his potential and trying to develop him. That in and of itself is such a win for this organization to be seen as the de- the desired destination for troubled a troubled asset, so to speak, a player that hasn't lived up to his potential. That's what this is about. And it's from that perspective, even if it doesn't go anywhere, it just means that the Browns are seen differently around the league. And that is that in and of itself is meaningful.
1: The bears are on the hook for 4.5 million of his contract that he was, you know, went unclaimed. So the Browns don't owe him any other things than practice squad dollars. Yeah. So that's important to note for a guy who was a mm-hmm. first round pick who is not even, played his uh fourth year in the league here so yeah just uh, a little piece of note
2: yeah the other thing that's worth noting i got i got this question on twitter today um you can every week the each team can protect four of their practice squad players so there is that concern that these guys can be picked up because they're on the practice squad they're not on the active roster but if the browns are serious about this and and see something in him then he could be
1: one of those guys that they can protect and can't lose I like it a lot. That's it. So outside of the organization, the Browns go for only two players, right? They go for P.J. Walker and Alex Leather. Sorry, three if you include the kicker. Uh, Haversick was in, uh, I should mention, he was in Indianapolis mm-hmm. uh, where he had the kicking job there. So he comes to Cleveland. And again, I have to say it, Hopkins and injuries. Kickers yeah. don't get injuries, right now, but Hopkins has dealt with them. So uh, Haversick is a chance to. To be active at some point, you never know. But that's it. That's the practice squad, man. And and we mentioned Felton and Togi Cade York. We talked earlier. He goes to the Titans. They wanted him back. That's the only other player that um you know goes from us. No, not a Brown was claimed in the process of players being claimed. The only other thing before we split Andrew is I found this Northeast Ohio College nugget a little bit interesting. So Jaleel McLaughlin, who's a Youngstown State kid who had his pro day up there. And I know the Browns were in attendance. He has made the 53 in um, in Denver. And then Anthony Kendall, as we know, in reference, the Baldwin Wallace cornerback who was trying everywhere to get exposure because he wasn't in combine invitee or anything. Um, And, you know, D3 pro days are kind of like laughable. So. Yeah, man, he has impressed so many people in Tennessee, makes that roster. And it just is interesting to me that, like, mm-hmm. guys who were under-pursued across the NFL, you know, Jaleel McLaughlin and Anthony Kendall, two positions are interesting for the Browns depth-wise. Um, you know, I just and I'm not saying it rubs me the wrong way, but, I mean, it's like I would like those guys to be <laughs> – sort of brought in to 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 the to the closer location here and and really given a chance. But that that's how it goes. And I'm not sitting here saying maybe the Browns did. Maybe they made an offer to both of them. I don't know. I don't have that. But I'm just sitting here almost just turning on like a regional college football mind. It's almost like Ohio State recruiting kids out of the state and then the kids from Ohio end up being really good. And it's like, damn, did they miss an opportunity here? You know what I mean? Because the yep. people in Denver really like McLaughlin and the people in Tennessee are really like it's just wild watching Anthony Kendall playing like Wilmington last year or, you know, Muskingum where I was at. Now, all of a sudden, I'm watching videos of this guy covering DeAndre Hopkins up the sideline and, and doing it well. Like that's, that's yeah. crazy stuff. It's, and it it's really is cool. like yeah. dream chasing stuff yeah. where yeah. a kid is living in, in Berea, Ohio, going to college, playing just down the road from the Browns and then is making like 650 at league minimum the next year and is yep. in, you know, like he's going to be in Madden and all that fun stuff that comes with making a 53 man roster. That is, that is why, cause like I said, there have been D3, the Pierre Garcons, the, the, those guys, right. The, the names from Mount union, all those years, there have been plenty of D3 names in May, but they were like very well-respected names that were, were recruited hard and um, found their way to D3 for some odd reason, whatever that is. And then, the NFL scouts are just very on it. And I never felt like the NFL scouts were on top of these guys in the same way. They're just sort of, they're just great unknown name stories. So really, really And I know people close to the Youngstown state program said Julian McLeod one of the best players to ever play there. And I'm sure if you talk to bone Wallace people, they'll say the same thing about Anthony Kendall. Right. So um, it's not that the regional folks don't know him, but they're not big, broad names, uh, through the scouting side, because remember like garcon was like a third round pick fourth round yep. pick and then yep. um cecil shorts who mm-hmm. you know i was on garage beers talking to him with with mike and his guys there a while back he was a drafted player these like this is not the case here so it's just really cool and also damn it maybe they should, <laughs> brown should have taken it a little more serious you know
2: yeah i mean i i the, what it makes me think of jake is you know I'm i'm down here in north carolina and you look at like the composition of the state of Ohio demographically in the state of North Carolina. And it feels like the, the, you know, at a high school level, it, it should be pretty comparable. And Ohio high school football blows football down here out of the water, you know, like mm-hmm. just in terms of the level of preparation, the level of um uh consistency, you know, the attention to detail, the sloppiness of the games, all that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's a small thing, but I do think that stuff then migrates up into those like Division Three colleges and stuff, I think the quality of the coaching dictates so much of this because you 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 know there are more athletes that are good enough athletically to play in the n f l than there are n f l players right mm-hmm. and the difference is which of those guys can you know can kind of achieve more than whatever their athletic ability gives them, and that I think often comes down to sometimes it's it's innate those those you know. Some of these young men, they just have that drive to be great in them and they don't ever need to be coached. They're just going to work and work and work and work. Sometimes it does come down to a coach taking you under your, your you know, under their wing and saying, you know, if you want to work at this for the next few years, you have a chance to be, you know, to get a tryout for an NFL team, to get a chance yeah. to make a roster after, uh, you know, uh, through training camp, those sorts of things. And I think. I think that there is a a tradition and a culture of high quality coaching in Ohio that, that folks that live in Ohio should be proud of, you know, I'm from Ohio and I am proud of that. My, my small town high school punches above their weight every year because they, they, the kids tend to be really well coached.
1: And I think, you know, that I think that's cool. I just think that's neat. No, I think you're right. I think the depth of Ohio college football has played itself out to be that or high school football. And even like you said, trickling into college where, I mean, the OAC does really well. I mean, yeah. John yeah. Carroll, the John Carroll coaching tree is not there by mistake. These right. are well-respected minds that, yep. that run in, in, in like the trusnicks that were there from Ohio Northern for a while that the one of them made was with the Browns for a bit. And like, yeah, this is uh this is not by mistake, but I will just say that the McLaughlin story and the Anthony Kendall story, especially will be all over every division three program about this is what oh, you can sure. do. If you're for that sure. type of athlete, they'll find you anywhere if you put yourself out there and do it the right way. So cool stories all around. We're going to wrap up today's show again, a lot, a long pod, but that's okay. Cause again, there's a lot of information to break down the next few podcasts. I'm going to get with Jordan Zerm tomorrow. We'll have a fun show. Andrew and I will get together to gather up anything that has been, um, that has happened uh, over your Thursday or, or probably your Friday as well. We will try to gather up any of that information and provide it in a concise podcast for you over the weekend and just sort of maybe have some big philosophical roster questions that we will answer at that time, too, Uh, because there shouldn't be a ton of movement. Like we're looking at what it's probably going to look like outside of a couple little things, Maurice Hurst and maybe somebody else. Uh, But this is just generally who your week one Cleveland Browns will be. And I'm excited about the roster. I do think it's in the this is the best. I say this with confidence, Andrew. It is the best Cleveland Browns roster they have had since '99, like collectively top to bottom talent wise, I feel it is as talented as they have ever had. Now the problem with that is that the AFC North is really damn good, and the mm-hmm. AFC is also collectively really, really good and that might yep. mean that the results aren't exactly what you're hoping for. We're not even going down that road, but I'm just saying yep. it is a great they've done a nice job with this roster and they really um, have, you know, you should, I mean, if you care enough, we should be proud about that. They, they have a good group here and we'll see if they're able to take what is, like I said, in my tweet, it's a good roster, top to bottom, go win games, go win games. That's yeah. it. So, yeah. All right.
2: Yeah. We're, we're a week out from meaningful NFL football, right? It'll be lions chiefs uh, Thursday night next week. Yep. And so you start to, your mind starts to turn to what the regular season is like, what that grind is like, what that schedule is like. And so, you know, I, I think I'm looking forward to kind of having some of those, a few more big picture conversations between now and then, you know, get some of our predictions about the season, how it's going to play out, get those out there before things kick off next week.
1: I couldn't agree more, man. It is as close ever. get your fantasy drafts done. This is a simple reminder. And also like the Jonathan Taylor situation, another reminder (laughs) of why, You should never do your fantasy drafts that are not dynasty drafts until final cuts have been made and the seasons, like a week away. You just never do that because you're going to get someone's going to every year. Someone's getting screwed because there's just uncertainty. at some player uh, at the offensive skill position. So, you know, learn your lesson, folks, learn your lesson. Anyway, we're out of here. OBR still running the 75% discount. Take advantage of it. Join the greatest Browns community online. That is expanding. I know a lot of you have joined us recently taking advantage of this opportunity. We're very pumped about that. Uh, to pull you into our um you know collective web of Brown's content and give you all of that information. so thanks for joining, review and rate the podcast. continue to say it. You guys have done that on both the two most popular platforms. If you could continue to do so, that would mean the world to me uh and in, in developing this thing and 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 getting it to the point that it is uh the standalone on top of the world Brown's podcast that I think it deserves to be. hopefully you guys feel the same way. Thanks for stopping by. have a great Thursday. A special thanks to Andrew for always giving his time and insights to the show, and to you guys for stopping by and making it worthwhile. We'll be back for uh, another episode on Friday. Until then, have a great day, and go Browns.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?